You're listening to a new episode of Empathy Always Wins. معكم علي سلامة. I just about to make a mistake saying my name there. <laughs> a lot of people actually pre-record this, and I'm like, nah, we won't. But uh, I'm really excited because, you know, this is the world's leadership and mental health show, and today I am so deeply honored to introduce somebody that has. taken such a great leap in her life to pursue something that not a lot of people have the courage um, to do and uh, from working at PwC to becoming a special education therapist uh, today we have Nazli Elisi um, if you guys don't know who Nazli is um, she's one of in my point of view mo- the most inspirational and brave youth change makers in Egypt Um, a little bit about her is that after being awarded um, a Bachelor of Science in Business Management from King's College London and having worked at PwC as a strategy consultant for mergers and acquisition, ooh, that's kind of interesting, in the MENA region, Nasli shifted careers to the special educational needs and disability field with a master's with an MA in special and inclusive education from UCL London. Nazli is a learning support specialist in Cairo American College Elementary School Learning Support Services Department and a learning skills development therapist at the Effective Learning Foundation. She works with children with a range of developmental disabilities and learning difficulties with the hope of developing their skills, strategies, and their self-esteem in order to cope in an academic environment. You are listening to, uh, and I don't mean to say this, this is an incredible human being, Nazli Elethi. Uh, I just said Elethi. Nazli Elethi. And also, guys, this is Ash on the beat. This is Daydream. He's one of my really good friends. Please feel free to stream him on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, wherever you get your music. And you're listening to exclusively Empathy Always Wins with Nazli Elisi. Now, let's dive deep into our incredibly... I mean, this is a great chat, so let's go! Yep. Nazli, thank you so much for joining Empathy Always Wins. And uh, I'm really excited to be speaking to you today. I think, Yanni, briefing, briefing you just before the show about yani, special education, your journey. Uh, I've never personally met someone, Saraha, to be honest, that has had quite your experience. And before we sort of dive into special education, um, you, your journey, like, Can you, can you tell us a little bit of a background about mean who is Nazli for for any listener out there who kind of uh, wants a little bit of an insight that maybe isn't too professional, Yanni, that's that's a little bit more deeper than your bio? Sure. Now, Ali, thank you so much for having me on your amazing podcast. I'm so excited. And uh, I hope I do, uh, do the podcast justice today because it's honestly such an incredible podcast to be on. Uh, so I'll just introduce myself. My name is Nazgi Lisi. I'm a special educational therapist. I work in Egypt. Um, I have always, always, always had such a passion for people that learn differently, that think differently, that react to life differently. And it's, I think, what just propelled me towards the choices that I've made in my life, both professionally and personally. Um, Bas, I'm Egyptian. I uh, live in Cairo. 
and I've had quite a, like an inter- international exposure but over the years I've lived in different countries I've been raised in Paris and yeah got my undergraduate studies done in London and came back here to hopefully make a difference and change in the special education you will you will hey, hopefully do you you <laughs> will you will but uh, I know I you, hope so I, fingers I, crossed Look, you have a very, very, very unique background, Yanni. You, 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 you have Yanni a background in consultancy, and then Yanni, you, you're now in special education. I think for many people, Aslan, this move is a very bold move. Um, when did you realize this wasn't for me? I was meant for something bigger. Okay. I was meant for something greater. And uh, mm-hmm. what did it feel like being in that? In, in your shoes, feeling like you're working maybe in a very renowned company uh, without going into details, but everyone sees that you're, you have it together, but inside you're like, no, this is not <laughs> like, how does it feel like? And how did you react to that? Okay. I think my journey though, for everything to make sense to your listeners, can I just go back a couple of years, Michelle, a couple of years, but 100%. I think that my journey really started from when I was when I was really, really young, uh, as a child, math was a nightmare. Like I really struggled with math, even simple addition, believe it or not, was just such a tedious thing for me to do. So I'm sure you can imagine like fractions and all of that was just impossible. But my grandfather actually used to sit with me consistently daily and try to work around what what it was that I found so difficult. And if it hadn't been for his creative approach, for his patient reassurance, for all of that, that led me to eventually handle my math studies with as much comfort that I did with my other school subjects, then I would have never realized the life-changing impact that um, a consistent attentive boost can do to children that have different needs. Because I personally had that specific learning difficulty when it came with, with math. But I think what is the most significant part of my journey is that I was raised with an uncle, currently actually living with an uncle who uh, suffered brain damage when he was a toddler and that uh, stagnated his cognitive development. So in that sense, I grew up knowing, fully aware of the challenges that a family faces when a member uh, needs, needs special care and there isn't care that can be offered for that person. So fast forward when I was 16 years old and I had to make a decision when it came to my college, (laughs) with my college applications in the UK, I was so torn between psychology and business psychology because it's always been something on my mind. And I even grew up in a very, very inclusive school in Paris Mm -hmm. where I was literally surrounded every single year group that I progressed in. There was at least one child with special needs. And so wow. on the playground, it was just such a, di- yeah, such a beautiful playground, so diverse. There are children on wheelchairs. There are children that stim, which is uh, what we call um, like, main t- like regulating your emotional uh, tendencies if you have autism. And mm-hmm. it has to do with like certain uh, physical movements like flapping and like just raising your hands up and about. And so it was just such an interesting place to be. And I always found myself drawn to these children because again like I told you just that interest in people that behave differently and that think and approach life differently so yeah back to like my applications psychology for those reasons and then business 
because I, you might know Ali, like growing up in Middle Eastern culture, <laughs> business is <laughs> with it's a lot life. of parents, with, especially with a lot of fathers, business yeah. is the way to go. And to be honest, I did have interest in my IB studies yeah. in business management. So it wasn't just like random, but I thought like that. If it wasn't for business, I don't think like you would be like this, like in terms of like making special development, your business now, like you have to kind of like yeah. also realize the power that, yeah, we can't never go wrong with business. That doesn't mean we, but in many ways, mm. like it, it did help you, right? For sure, for sure. And I know we're going to talk about this, but the skills that I gained in my experience at PwC and in my corporate life, that those are skills that I use daily on my in yeah. my job. So it's not, it wasn't random. And I think that it had to happen to lead me to being so sure about where I want to take my life now. Absolutely. So I'm forever grateful for that choice. Actually, I think that was a, like that was a milestone in my in my development and in my career progression. So that's why I went into business and I graduated from business, continued in strategic strategy consulting at PwC. I won't lie, the first couple of months I was figuring it out. I was like, you know what, this is interesting, really cool project, such a nice team. I had exposure both to the Dubai office, so it was really like. Yeah. it just felt glamorous it just felt yeah. really cool to be on those kinds of like projects <laughs> but I I used to go I used to go home and be like what have I done with my what have I done with my day like I've honestly with all due respect of course to all, all these different clients but I've just made industries more and more rich or more and more profitable but what have I done as immediate impact on people and um, I couldn't see that immediate impact like it was more of I'm working on reports, I'm doing financials, but I just couldn't feel that immediate impact that I get every day now where I can just visually see it. I can visually see what my work is doing by speaking to the children, by speaking to the parents. Absolutely. Um, I quickly realized like I just want to be doing something with a bit more purpose. And again, psychology was always on my mind. Mm. So I decided to say, okay, I'm not going to leave my job entirely. Let's give it a year, see how I feel. After a year, it was just even more and more sharp in my head that it's like, okay, it's not what I'm doing for a living, even though I'm learning. But I felt like it would have been a bit premature to just get up and leave without having that part-time work first to just solidify that this is what I'd like to do. So I part-timed in my second year at PwC at the Center for Special Needs. Um, and yeah, from I just fell in love with it. I thought it was literally my calling. And from then I embarked on my master's at UCL for special and inclusive education. Yeah. So yeah, I, I find that's this, the, like that's I, the shift in a nutshell. I find this so brave, first of all, that you said that, um, yeah, and you interned first before deciding to take that leap and, and sort of dive in. And, and, and I think that many people don't realize that sometimes um, diving into something, even though you might think it's your calling right away, um, puts a lot mm. of unnecessary pressure that allows that doesn't allow you fully to enjoy it and embrace the experience. Like, uh, you know, I was talking for yeah. MIT talk about entrepreneurship and mental health, and uh, it's crazy how sort of um, yeah, if you take that entrepreneurial journey in in a in in, in a step by step process, just as you've done, and mitigated that, uh, you know, the burden on your mind. You know, of course, you have to make yeah. a living and do all that. That actually allows you to actually love your your job much more in, in, in a sense. So yeah. I'm really, really happy you mentioned that. And mm -hmm. um, 
I think that also I, I want to point out that uh, that it takes time to like you can't feel worried and and I also want you to walk me through Yanni how was that change like did what were your parents yeah were they supportive what what did your oh. friends think like, <laughs> I, this is not an easy decision to make even if it's you know you're talking about PwC you're talking about you're talking about mm-hmm. an entire feeling you're talking about an entire thing you're giving up here because i know many people do feel that yeah. burden sometimes yeah no i'll tell you like honestly my family was extremely supportive but i was met with a bit of like especially from my parents a bit of are you sure uh maybe that's a bit like you're jumping the gun a little bit how about you try it out first but at the same time you're at pwc like maybe it's just pwc and not because you're just turning mm-hmm. your back like you're 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 back towards corporate con- corporate consulting in general so and it had only been a year so i think that that even for someone super traditional in terms of like business and corporations and stuff like my dad that was just alien to him like how could you know after a year already like you need to give yourself some more time oh, so man. naturally you do get a bit more anxious you do get get a bit more nervous you start to question yourself a lot and you end up overthinking and then you feel like you're under pressure because you want to make a, a shift but you've also invested so much time in developing yourself business wise and i had my first masters was in business and so now i need a second masters to be able to even come into contact with these children so you're thinking like okay that's an investment of time that's an investment of money that's a lot of pressure like i just felt like i just did fe- i did feel anxious for a very long time and if it wasn't for my family eventually like seeing how i was coming home from my part time work just with a completely different kind of energy with a completely different kind of attitude and approach and my stories i talk about with so much passion and so much like i was in awe every single day when i come back from from the center i think they could see that like i've never spoken about my business daily life in this way and so i it wasn't until i started to get that feeling of just ease a bit from my from my family and i think my friends started to also see that okay this is something she's taking really seriously like she's finishing her job at like 5 and then she's going to the center and she's coming home at 9 like who would do that if unless it's something they really want to take seriously in the future so but no i won't lie to you even during my masters i was worried i was like okay this is just studying but what if i come back and i start to actually properly work and then i realize this is also not what i'm supposed to because it is emotionally draining and it is 100%. really physically draining 100% and so part and part time work is so different than having an actual position in the center so i that was also really nerve-wracking like okay i'm not sure if i'm going i'm cut out for this what if i realize that it's just too much for me to, what am i going to do then so that it's a, it's a lot and of, this is why this is uh, why a lot of guessing. people don't do that this is why like wallahi this is why i called you up for the show this is why i think it's a, it's a very courageous bold move and and how do you feel now let before before we even like yani yeah. how how do you feel now from where you were back then because i think that many people do feel what you felt but like you're in a place where you can actually you've walked the walk you're in the arena you're you 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 dust is on your face you're smeared you're you you are fighting <laughs> the fight like how does it feel now is it it was it worth it 
150%. Like I feel I'm the most comfortable that I've ever been. And I feel like I, I know what I'm doing. Like, I just feel like I have direction in my life and I know mm. that I know where I'll be. Like, not that I know where I'll be, obviously times are not to be stuck to all the time, but I, I know that this is okay. the field for me. And so I think that that removes such a, you, we already have enough uncertainties as it, as it is in our lives. And I just think that with this, I'm not uncertain anymore. And so that's just such a relief. So yeah. how I feel relieved, so comfortable. I'm just really, really happy. Alhamdulillah. Like my job, I it's just, I come home really pleased, like just so fulfilled. And yeah. I didn't used to get that in the business world, personally. The, let's talk about the business world. Let's talk about the skill yeah. sets you learned. Like what are the main mm-hmm. skill sets that you can tell me Ali, like, I wouldn't be the yeah. Nazli that I am right now, hatta with my clients, uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or, or that that I learned at PwC, or that I learned from uh, from taking yeah. my, my, my initial masters before the special education. What are the transferable yeah. skills that y- you can perhaps like talk about? Yeah, actually, quite a lot, which is great. I. Definitely one of them is flexibility, agility, adaptability, 100%. Like I feel that is one of the key skills that I learned at PwC, which came with last minute change ups and a project deliverable or the need to to just suddenly finish everything in a week instead of three weeks because of a a client's needs. Um, In that sense, that required a lot of flexibility and thinking out of the box. And that kind of openness to adopt a malleable mindset is critical in the job that I'm doing now. And I don't think if, if it hadn't been for that daily need to just be flexible on your feet, thinking of solutions, problem solving, uh, just not being rigid in the way you approach anything. That's okay. what I do in the programs and activities with specific children. Uh, yeah. And especially when progress isn't going as planned, you really need to just like immediately drop everything try something completely uh, like off script and mm-hmm. quickly get creative. And I think that that yeah. wouldn't have come as easily had it not been for, for P, PwC. And honestly, like the best feeling in the world is to visibly <laughs> see that like light bulb moment on the face of a yeah. child. It's, it's when you know you've reached them and there's nothing like that feeling. So that's definitely one skill. Another skill would be teamwork. I know it's like, that's a pretty obvious one, but no, that is just a hundred percent the backbone of any consulting project. It's collectively understanding the client's fundamental targets as a team, setting the action Mm. plans as a team to achieve the strategic goals, monitoring the project's progress and working cross-functionally. So working with other departments and these kinds of things are so applicable to my work right now as a therapist, because each child is viewed as their own individual profile and they require specific assessment and really, really meticulously identifying what they need and their personal, uh, based on their personal attributes and strengths or areas of concern. Um, And that can't be done without working within a broader multidisciplinary team. And like, even we say this every day, just because I'm more in cognitive development and Uh, executive functions, learning skills development. It doesn't mean that I'm on my own. I'm working within such a bigger tree, like 
such a bigger umbrella of of functions. Yeah. Um, that's another one. Uh, don't mean to ramble on. I just think that there's no, a lot to actually cover when it comes to skills. <laughs> la, 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 la. Um, as as you're yeah. saying this, like, I'm thinking about the people that are listening to this and smiling, uh, thinking that they still have that option to pursue whatever that may be tickling in the back of their 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 mind, you know, because I think yeah. that uh, in many ways, this is the fear that we all have. Yanyana, for me, I, I was in your position, just not PWC, I was in RBC at the bank. And, uh, okay. and it was very front-facing. It was very selling. And now I sell mental mm. health. I just don't sell bank services, right? It's, uh, as, as, yeah. you're talk- as you're saying all that, it's hitting a nerve really big time. And I feel like yeah. anyone listening, wallahi, to anyone listening, this is, it's the same thing here. It's it's the same sort of uh, message yeah. in, in a packaged in a different way. So there's, yeah, it's so beautiful, but I think we have to hear different people say it, you know? So yeah. yeah. I, in different kinds of fields for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want you to talk about yani yeah, just special education in in in, in, mm. in in Egypt and in the Middle East. Like you entering yeah. the field, what was the mis misconception around? Like what did you have to battle um in terms of getting okay. to where you are right now? Wow, like that's a lot to cover. Like I could cover this in like six hours, but <laughs> I think I, I really That's don't great. want to paint a dark picture because okay. this field has come a very long way in the past 20 years, if not even like past 10 or five years. Uh, um, we've been seeing more and more conversation, more and more initiatives. It's honestly beautiful to see. But mm. as with other areas of the world, it's not just specific to Egypt, actually. Special mm. needs and disability is still a massive, massive stigma. Uh, and that's because of a lack of awareness and a lack of education. And Lil'asaf, we have this tendency to view these individuals as if they need fixing or as if they need treatment, or we just view things in such a medical way. And that's the biggest misconception of all. Like they are not sick. They are not um, patients. They, like we said, we, we, they just think and operate differently. They need yeah. different resources and they need different support. Um, we immediately, and, and like, I just don't know what the issue is. Like, I feel like with, if you have asthma, you're given an inhaler so you can breathe. If you can't see properly, you're given glasses so that you can see. It's the mm. same logic. Why, if someone has a disability, they need something. So why can't we give it to that person? Yeah. But instead, we, we immediately, we hear the word disability and we freak out. And mm. I feel that that's because we as humankind we're just not comfortable with what we don't know. And, and that is link, it's linked to our lack of awareness. Yeah. Um, and because we're just unaware and we freak out, we put that person in a box and we just place a threshold on their capabilities and how far they can get in life. And that's because the general sentiment, sentiment, uh, sentiment <laughs> in, um, in the world in general is to assume that individuals with disability can't be active members of our society and we don't give them as much importance as people that can contribute uh, to our lives and that's because we don't give them a chance and we don't even give ourselves a chance to explore what they can and cannot do so 
that's another misconception that we're just, we assume, we always assume we owe our attitudes towards special needs is just so wrong. Um, it's very unfortunate to see, but I know it's because people just need the proper uh, dissemination of information to understand what disability means, to understand what autism is, and to just see live examples of how they are. They can be just as active as we are. They can be just as um, beneficial and, and functional and 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 and, 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 and active, healthy, beneficial. Yeah. Uh, members of our society. Um, exactly. And in Egypt, I think a major, major problem is that we don't have a unified law on disability. So there's a lot of misconception, a lot of like definition ambiguities. And because we don't have something to fall back on that's just solid, yeah. then progress can't really happen as quickly as we'd like. But I know yeah. progress could happen if we just invest more research and we're we're more kind uh, with ourselves and with others, uh, that it, like it's not far fetched. It's not a far fetched idea. It's the easiest thing in the world, but we just need to prioritize it in the minds of policymakers, in the minds of just people every day. Um, um, yeah, that's that was the bit that one, is continuously the biggest barrier. Nosli, I think it's one of those things, and I don't want to cut you off, but it's one of those things that like you no, don't really. Ahead. You don't really consider until you are faced with a family member or you, until you have to actually deal. It's kind of like mental health, right? Mm. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's you don't you ignore it until it it hits you. So, yeah, um, mm. I, I see a lot of parallels, but maybe right now, I think that if I were to yeah, and ask you on, on you being a leader, how does yeah. empathy play in? your role as a therapist and in your role leading the job that you mm. take right now? Um, okay, so empathy is in everything that I do, function, like everything that I do every day. And it has to do with just feeling for others all the time. And for me, the biggest, biggest drive comes from feeling for the parents. So I love the children. The children are amazing. But the children for me aren't what really just move me and aren't what make me feel like I need to do better and I need to feel for these parents more. It's the parents. Um, the parents are just people that want, are just so desperate to see their children do better and be better and develop quickly. And so seeing, seeing them and being around these parents every day it does develop your inner empathy towards the, the the whole situation, towards special needs, towards what these families go through, towards what these children aren't getting that they deserve and is their, their right to have. And so it just, it forces me to fight for what they need. And what they need can be as simple as coordinating uh, like their playtime, at home and being able to tell parents they need playtime, they need circle time in the morning, they need, like there's just a lot that leads me to um, think of everything that they need. And I, and that's what I think makes me just like, I feel like I'm always needing to be in control. I need to like have the therapist um, 
do the best that they can. They need to like always have smi- like smiles, smiles on their faces. They need to make the the children's time at the center the best that it can possibly be. And I think that that's just because I I feel like they they've been missing out on so much, and that should have never been the case. They've been some of them are robbed of things that that just should be naturally there and so it's just I feel like I need to compensate for that and not just me just the entire team yeah. yeah um so we all push through to make that happen as much as we can I don't know if I'm answering your question no but, you, you uh, are you you're taking yeah. it in your very own direction and I think it's uh it's so beautiful to see first of all someone like you with a very big heart doing what you're doing um uh yeah I, I'm, I'm I know I'm saying this and I'm repeating this but uh Uh, if you know Yanazli, how many people really wish that they had taken a psych uh, uh, journey or uh, everyone wants yeah. to help people, by the way, like even the, my friends who are yeah. working on, you know, Bay Street, like Wall Street in, in Toronto or even Wall Street in, in, in New York City. You know, I get yeah. messages every couple of uh, weeks asking me, hey, like, how are you actually making a living? Like, I wish I could do this. So the, the point yeah. is. This is this is a dream for many people to do what you're doing and uh, mm. to to give back and actually make it uh, their mandate. So the fact that you take yeah. your own direction answering this question is 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 beautiful. But I I mean I want to backtrack a little bit and ask you where do you see the future of mm-hmm. special education? Like what is your vision in 20 years time? Mm. If I were to have this conversation with you, what would success yeah. mean? To you? What would it look like? For me, success would be accessible curriculums in school. That's for one, because we don't have that. And it's not Egypt. It's worldwide. Uh, full inclusion schools. So we think that by having these children in mainstream schools, that means that we've accomplished inclusion. That's not inclusion. That's integration. And so obviously for me, the ultimate goal would be full inclusion where they feel like they can actively participate both academically and socially. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we do have these children being admitted into these schools, but they end up being excluded. They end up developing behavioral and mental health concerns because they're just they feel like they're catching up all the time and they're just not getting attention or they feel like they're just completely failing every day. Mm-hmm. And what we need to do is that we need to inj- adjust the school environment across all schools worldwide. Um, to allow for these children to feel included at all times, at all levels. And that comes with properly, proper training, proper infrastructure, um, proper accommodations. So, so that has, start, so that's what... Like, like, like if I were to ask you, yeah. like, Anna, masalan, if I were Ali mm. and I had, masalan, someone in my life who, who, who needed that, you know, that special development or who needed that extra yeah. little bit of support, How could I, yeah. yani, ha, ha, what's one tangible way of, of me, of me playing my part? Do, do, you, do you kind of like, how can I play my part? Like, how can we all play our part as a community? Because I know you have a podcast as well. Is it, it like, yeah. what are accessible ways that don't really require that grand scheme of like, I'm not going to wait until the school, the government, like, what if mm-hmm. I want to play a role? What if I'm a listener and I want yeah. to allow... I'm, I'm, I'm super cheesed about the fact that maybe I'm aware that these infrastructures aren't there, 
how can I walk mm. away from this conversation and take an action? What, what does that action look like? I feel like it's correcting information that you hear that isn't necessarily um, accurate. So for example, I would, the, the, mo- the, like, the basic like, piece of advice that I give to people is that you have a, a role to play. All of us have roles to play and that Absolutely. is linked to kindness. It's, it's, it's linked to just being kind, being empathetic, feeling for, for everyone. And I just think it's always linked back to you, you can really never fully know what a person is going through. 100%. And so when it comes to special needs, you have no idea what this child faces daily and no idea, perhaps even the pain that they go through daily. Some of them go through a lot of physical uh, complications. So I, I think that the least thing that we can do is just be patient and be kind and just always lend a helping hand. Like, I just think we're always so quick to judge. We're all guilty of it. A lot of us are quick to judge. Yeah. But I think that just by adapting or adopting kindness in everything that we do, I, that, that is just, I think, the pillar of everything comes second. So yeah. I think that's what it is. And that, that applies to family, that applies to teachers, that applies to anyone. Like, yeah. I'm sure you can have someone in a classroom that you is very visibly different. Um, help, like help is like we, we all, I do believe we all, Human beings are kind. They are kind. It's just about lending a, a willing, like just providing a lending hand. Yeah. And it's the easiest thing in the world. So that's the that's the main thing that I think needs we need to see more of. Absolutely, it's the most applicable thing I think. La, absolutely, Nazli. Is there any? Is there, are you're working on any projects? How can we help support? How can we help support the community? Yeah. How can I help support you and the community? Okay, so I am currently working on three different things. The first one is that I'm doing a virtual database, actually an, an online website with a close friend. Uh, she's, her name is Malak El-Botron. She's also a special needs therapist. And what we're trying to do is create a website in which we pull together all the contacts, information, details of literally any organization or working professional that is involved in the field in Cairo across all levels of society. So a lot of these services can be inaccessible to those that can't afford it. So we are categorizing and we're benchmarking so that any member of society would be able to know where to go. And that's because we know how hard it can be for parents who don't know where to go. So Mm -hmm. we want to make that process easier for them. In that website, we also will be providing charities and organizations that accept volunteers. So you don't even need to have background in psychology. You don't need to have a qualification. But if this is something that you want to give back to. Um, We will have also a list of uh, places that you can reach out to volunteer. So that's the first um, thing that I'm working on. Another one is that um, it's been put on hold due to Corona, but I'm working with the co-founder actually of the center that I'm working in. And we're working to go on ground in less privileged communities all over Egypt to train and educate mothers of children with special needs on how they can develop their children's functions at home, what red flags to look out for and to just support them in general. Mm. And this we are accepting volunteers because you can be easily trained in the information given to these mothers. And 
So I will, I can give you the more details on that when we, when we pick it up again, but like Corona has honestly caused a little bit of panic when it comes to that. So we're going to be resuming that later on. And yeah, finally, I'm also working with Naya, the uh, social impact NGO. Uh, And that's more to reach more people in society. So it's more about like, I'm being like, just um, promoting the podcast, uh, promoting the, the platform uh, so that's in terms of social media, yeah. social media presence. No, I think يعني, what you're doing is, <laughs> I ask those questions intentionally because I want other people, including myself, to learn from you, like how you're going on about this journey. Like, I think walking away mm-hmm. from this conversation, we can learn about like learning this, like special abilities or different abilities, as I like to say, but I think how, like, how is the bigger mm. question? Like, how are you doing that? Because it's an art, right? There's no one way or another. And I think what you're yeah. saying is, uh, or, or, or how you're doing it is super transferable and, you know, spreading mm-hmm. girls' education, you know, whether if it, even when you when we come to think of what Nadine Ashraf did with Assault Police or so many people have, yeah. are doing great work. And I, I feel like these conversations are so, so, so important to just allow us to think mm-hmm. in a much more creative way and open way. So, Nazli, God, thank you. I'm actually really happy you brought that up. I'm happy you brought that up. Sorry to interrupt you. It's no, 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 go for I it. I think that <laughs> with that, with the incredible work that Nadine has done, like, I think if we, you, you can see how much noise, like when noise is so like loud and when yeah. things just flood social media and the way that it has with Black Lives Matter or with, um, harassment against women Absolutely. look at the the change and the transformation that has happened even if it just has to do with like people just thinking of things differently Double. so i'd love to see i'd love to see that with disability uh right so i just think that across all topics of course so much change can happen and mm-hmm. so that's exciting so i think that that's something to look forward to because it really is powerful Double. um I mean, yeah. we are in a year of change. This is a, this is a fact. We There's are so much change that happened this year, and you know, this is the great news for for you and I and anyone tuned in is that you know people are receptive to people are accepting change. It is the time now mm-hmm. to do that that you're scared of that you're afraid of because the tolerance is high. Like is is, is people are more yeah. tolerant, um, and uh, and I think that. You know, bringing more people, you know, in the same caliber as yourself, Nadine, you know, Nur Imam, Mother Being, all those people that are building yeah. great communities in Egypt. Wallahi, I couldn't be more inspired. And I'm intentionally making sure that we we, we, we shine a light on on efforts um, as such, mm-hmm. because I think we deserve that. We deserve to harness our power. So thank you so much for your I time, Yanazli. Thank you. Thank you, Ali, so much for having me. Honestly, like I'm, I'm so flattered <laughs> to be included on your list of guests for the Allah, podcast. The honor is mine, because you have no idea how much your journey inspires me, and I, I'm sure it will inspire Thank you. thousands of many more. Wallahi, to to just take that action uh, from their gut and 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 make sure that they're what they're doing is what they want to do for life and, and not just uh, yeah for the culture. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ali. Have a great, great day. This was Nazli Elisi. 
we hope you guys enjoyed this episode um nasdi is uh, really honestly one of the most um sincerest people that you know i've got the chance of meeting um one thing i really want to say is that uh i really feel deeply with nasdi's journey because you know a few years ago Two years ago, when I started Empower, the region's mental health magazine, and now we're the first uh, digital media agency in the world in mental health, that started by me taking a really big risk and losing—I mean, walking out of my bank job. Right? I used to work at RBC, the Royal Bank of Canada. I was getting over 70k a year. Things were bubbly, but I hated the job. And I got to speak at the WHO, and then that's when I came back to the office, and I was like, "Hey guys, I can't do this anymore." Um, let's uh, let's call it an end in september and i think that's where i i really feel very 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 um deeply with nosti's story um especially you know teamwork is the backbone of any consulting project you take a lot from the business world that you might think that like what the hell am i going to do like at this job or this isn't what i want to do um as i am in my journey right now and i'm sure nosli can relate to this as well you start to really go back and you see holy wow like that actually I mean, what I'm trying to say is that you learn transferable skills that you might think a bank job would never give you that would make you a really good entrepreneur or that would make you a really good manager or a leader and um there is so much that we can learn but the thing that I want to say is that when you we will listen to podcasts like Nazli's when we listen to people who have similar journeys that we want to go on make sure to never close a door on an opportunity you get because you really don't know what you're going to learn and how you can apply what you learn in something else that you may be very passionate about maybe you're not where you want to be which is where me and Nazli were at one point which is why we're on the show talking about what we're doing but you are going to get where you want to get if you don't shut the doors on yourself if you don't limit yourself to a decision if you don't identify with your job but you identify with the quality of work you're putting and you keep day in day out making sure that you're learning continuously because this is what makes a human being great and not their output of what they produce so this is something i really wanted to say um nosli you are an incredible human being and guys if you want to be a guest on this show please feel to drop uh, drop me a dm ali salama or um drop uh a dm at empathy always wins we're always looking for really incredibly talented guests so this is by no means a um uh, you know an opportunity for those that really were on a spotlight honestly guys i don't really care about anything other than the message and the meaning you can probably tell from my voice and honestly speaking guys the past 2 weeks have been properly draining on myself you know as the ceo of empower trying to run the business um you know we're getting a lot of uh, you know whether you call it attention investments um you know opportunities now there's always going to be a point where you feel like you need a break uh that's why I'm not on social media as much as I am uh but I think that you know we always have to be very self aware I just wanted to leave this message out here because if you are on an entrepreneurial journey you will feel this you know i don't want to call it burnout but it could be a little bit signs of burnouts uh but you got this i mean i really just want to say thank you to my mom thank you to my dad thank you to the three people that you know i can count on whenever i need to talk to um because uh this is a lot different than it looks like from the outside 
uh, it's tough, it's challenging, it's not for everybody, uh, but it is for you if you feel like this is what the world really needs because only you can do that. And at the moment you feel like only you can do that, then that's when you know that you're on the right path. I don't mean to sound motivational here. This is like, again, it's a very tough week. It's a very tough two weeks, but we got this and we got this together. And this is why we're building in power. We're building in power because nothing can stop, uh, really nothing can stop an energy that wants to make a positive uh, impact on one singular life. And if we can make this on many people, then great. But if one person gets affected in a beautiful way, then I swear to God, we will all die happy because that's the only thing in life. And I've been thinking about death for so long. I know it sounds so weird on a podcast and you're like, Ali, what the hell you're doing on this? No, I'm just trying to be real here. And I think that the only thing that I want to say is that a lot of things have changed, but the only thing that stays real is who you choose to be around and what you choose to do with the time that you have in life. Because I was so close to seeing like, why am I doing all this? You know, I don't know people that I'm listening, that are listening to my show. Uh, I'm everywhere, you know, but why does this even matter? And you know what? If today was my last day, I wouldn't be saying anything other than the words that I'm saying right now, because I feel that this life is worth living because of what I feel is right to do. And if you feel the kind of similar feeling that I feel right now and the same feeling that Nosley feels by just doing something she feels that is right, that is just. It's okay to make money, guys. I think every corporation out there should be a social corp. I don't believe in, you know, NGOs and all that stuff. I think money is important. I've been, I've been broke for a year and a bit trying to talk and make this message happen, trying to tell my people like this is nonprofit and whatever. And the more I go into this and the more I try to please people to fund my stuff, it doesn't work that way. And I've been hurt because of that. I've been not at my best because of financial situations. So making money is important and knowing how to make money is important, but doing it in a dignifiable, honorable way that's what a lot of people don't understand. And that's what I really wish I could scream out so damn loud because people don't think that social, you know, entrepreneurs are, are, are really that loud. But this is what we're going to do with the power. And mark my words, because I think that social entrepreneurship is so underrated. And I think that people are just seeing things from such a monetary angle that they don't know what giving back really means. And giving back really means doing it with your whole damn heart. Go make money, make amazing profits, but make sure when you do that, you give back with the entire ferocity, hunger that you did while going and building that great empire or business that you want to do. Because that's what I'm telling that little kid inside of myself. Because after seeing so many people like try to push me through the nonprofit model, like through, oh, you're doing mental health, you have to give back. I'm like, no, you know what I have to do? I have to follow what I believe in. And that's what I ask everybody to do. Please follow what you believe in. Make sure that no one, I was told to be a therapist. You can't do this unless you have a, a degree in whatever. I'm like, guys, the most important degree you need to have is the degree that you want to have. 
I wanted a degree in understanding how strategy business works. I wanted a degree in being able to speak, communicate. There are great doctors out there, but there wasn't one thing. There wasn't a guy who could speak about his feelings, and could talk and impact people. And I figured out that was a great chance to do it based on the story that I lived. And I was so miserable during my time that I couldn't find anybody. And that's why I do what I do. Because in the few months that I've been doing it, I've been touched to my guts by guys that came up to me and told me, yo, like, you're not what we think you were. You're real. And like, that doesn't take a degree. So when you get people that are your mom's friends and when you're whatever telling you that you can do something, you know what? You can go and do it because that's what I'm doing. And that's what you can do. And that's what you will do. Uh, because you got this. And if you're listening to this podcast and if you're listening to all those episodes that we've been doing, this is episode 51, guys. We've been doing this for a year and a bit. The first time I ever went to learn podcasting was in LA when I shook hands with this guy who I didn't know who he was. He turned out to be, his, his name is Hernan Lopez. He sold his company for $300 million to Amazon. And I was like, wow, I just learned podcasting from you. And here we are today as a number one show in Egypt. Why? Because a kid who started a magazine that wasn't making him money wanted to do something that was going to reach a lot of people, bought a ticket to LA to learn from, you know, a conference that he didn't know what he was going to do. And now this is happening. It doesn't just happen by luck, guys. When you cry for so long and when you want desperately to find a solution, you will find a solution. I don't care how long it'll take, but it will happen. And I just wanted to say this. I know I'm ranting right now. It maybe doesn't make sense, but you guys have got all that it takes. And as much as I'm, you know, not in like the best situation, um, I also want to say that my father's, you know, going to Bahrain, uh, I'm going to be living again without a father after, you know, connecting with them for so long. Of course it hurts, guys. Of course it hurts. But we're on a mission. And I think that like the vulnerability that that level of vulnerability is strength to keep going on when you're not okay but it's okay not being okay and this is what i'm saying that and i'm not saying that on an instagram freaking post and trying to post this and do all that stuff this is real stuff this is real the only thing that is truly real is honestly the small circle you build around you. And I'm so grateful for that. So thank you guys so much for listening to Empathy Always Wins. I really appreciate you. If you drop um, uh, an Apple review, whatever that is, it really helps the show. But honestly speaking, no promo stuff. I do this for you guys. And if the numbers on the back end didn't show it, I wouldn't give two damn shits about this because at the end of the day, I'm driven by impact. And even though I might not know you guys, I might not see you, I hear you because I'm data-driven and I know numbers talk louder than words. And unfortunately, in the day and age that people talk, 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 not a lot of people understand why things are going the way they are in power. But the numbers always make sense. And that's what I'm going to do. We're going to walk the walk and we're going to walk it together. Have a safe night, guys, and uh, take care.